This morning, I've entitled my message, Is Your Mind a Prison or a Palace? Let me start with um, uh, theologian D.A. Carson's uh, words. And so let me read that to you. We increasingly inhabit a time and place in Western history when humility is perceived to be a sign of weakness, when meekness is taken for a vice, not a virtue, when puff is more important than substance, when leadership, even in the church, frequently has more to do with politics and showmanship or with structure and hierarchy than with spiritual maturity and conformity to Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Hmm? It's, it's just increasingly become like that. I read this to you because the text that we are about to look at this morning begins with humility and meekness. The Apostle Paul begins 2 Corinthians 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 1 with this. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The Apostle Paul, by this time he's already established nearly 50 over churches in the then known world, right? By this time, he's an already an established apostle to the Gentile world. He is known at times he is feared because of what he carried with him, right? The anointing that was with him. You would expect this guy who is at the top of the hierarchy, all right? You'd expect him to speak down to this church that needs a little bit of discipline, that needs a bit of structure, that's going out of control. You'd expect him to come hard on them. But this is the words he begins with. He's, he says, I, Paul, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. We used to have a dear brother, when I first started pastoring seven years ago um, at Welcome Bay, we used to meet at um, um, Faith Bible College. And there's a brother called Al Fox. Anyone remembers him? Yeah. Remember? A dear brother. Um, and uh, he was so gentle, so humble, real, reflected Christ in him. You know, I used to, I only had a short six to eight months before he passed on to be with the Lord. Um, but we uh, had him, his two sons over for... Um, men's breakfast once and they spoke and one of his sons told us a story about his dad when he was a teenager he had done something really bad you know I, I can't remember what it was I think he took his father's car for a joyride you know and so when he came back his dad was upset with him took him to the shed took a belt and took him to the shed and so this young fella was ready to get belted right but what Alf did, did was he gave the belt to his son and he said to him, I want you now to beat me with this belt because I have not been a good father to you. I have not taught you what is right and wrong. Obviously the son did not hit him. But it, it left, he was saying that it left such a mark in him that every time he was to make decisions, he now not only thought of himself, but he thought of his dad. The power of humility and meekness, we so underestimate it, you know. And here's the Apostle Paul, as he begins this part of the passage, 
he pleads with them with gentleness and meekness of Christ. We've grown up in an environment, maybe you and I have not grown up in an environment where humility um, was present, you know. Maybe it was tit for tat, anger for anger, harsh tone of voice, harsher tone of voice in response, right? Turning the other cheek, that seems silly, right? Um, go the extra mile, ah, that's for idiots. We are more comfortable with an eye for an eye. We are more comfortable with um, these violent stories of King David, the warrior King David, right? Rather than the son of David, Jesus Christ, who was big and mild and humble. Like the disciples sometimes, I think, we go to Jesus and say, please, let us call down fire on these fellows who are doing this to me. You know? And you know, today, in this environment, in this crazy environment that we are living in, how are you and I responding to it? Somebody said to me, look what the government is doing, causing so much disunity and disruption among us. And I said, actually, the government can't do that. It is in our hearts. Our response at the moment, what the pandemic is doing to us is it's exposing our heart, isn't it? What's already there, right? So I want to encourage you this morning that as we get to our text this morning, Paul is using battle, battle, um, battle metaphors. But before he begins the battle metaphors, in Corinthians chapter 10, he starts off, he prefaces it, he begins with this statement, right? He comes to them with an appeal, with gentleness and meekness. So I want to say this, humility and meekness are prerequisites for spiritual battle. We're going to talk about spiritual battle this morning. But if you want to put on a battle armor, then it needs to first have humility and meekness. As he approaches this thing, thought about the battle of the mind, he begins with humility and meekness. So I say this to every soldier of Christ in this room. You may enter into battle only if you are, you've been clothed with humility and meekness. So let's go to this passage of scripture this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 to 5. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 5, and it's in your newsletter this morning at the front page. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. I'm going to comment on that uh, little phrase that he uses. But I beg you that when I'm present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The first thing I want to say is we are at war. 
If you look at the passage of scripture, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The assumption there is we are at war. I think sometimes as Christians, we think the church is a cruise ship. Right? And so we come to church and say, Where, where's the tennis courts? You know, uh, where's the spa? Um, where's the um, all, all you can eat buffet? Right? The reality is the church is not a cruise ship. The church is a battleship. If you look at, um, we, we're coming close to Christmas. If you look at the Christmas story, the Christmas story is Jesus coming, right, to take over the world. It's a hostile takeover. Why do you think the story uh, talks about when Jesus was born, why was Herod all upset about it? Because every prophecy that he was brought to him was about a king is born. The government shall be on his shoulder. The birth of Jesus Christ was a declaration, God has invaded planet Earth. It's a hostile takeover, right? That's why we pray that kingdom come, that will be done on Earth as it is in heaven. That prayer is a battle prayer. It's about God. Come, Lord, take control, rule and reign on earth as you rule and reign in heaven. Let the environment of heaven come down to earth that we can live as you do in heaven. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34? Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. What was he talking about? He was talking about spiritual warfare. He was talking about setting captives free. He was talking about letting the blind eyes see again. He was talking about setting people free from their pain, their sorrow, their grief. And how do you do that? It's uh, heaven must come down to earth. It's a hostile takeover. We are at war. The church is constantly or should be constantly engaging in a hostile takeover. Winning souls to the kingdom of God so that they may experience Christ and all that he has for them. But our war is a spiritual one. It's not a physical war. And that's what Paul was trying to say. Though we walk in the flesh, though we live in this world, we do not war according to the flesh. Our battle is not a physical battle. Right? And... Um, if you look at the context of the passage, we read verse 1. He says, Who in the presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. What he was doing is he was quoting what, the, what some of the people who were against Paul were saying when he wasn't around. Oh, this guy, when he's around, he's so mild, he's so gentle. When he writes his letters, it's so strong. And so basically they were saying, this guy, is, uh, he can talk all he wants when he's far away, but when he's near us, he's just... Mike and meek and mild. You see, they underestimate humility. Humility is actually a powerful thing. And Christ ruled with humility. My question about this war, spiritual war, is this. As we are engaging, even in our lives this, this past year, past two years, right? Have you been able to separate your walk with your war? As you look around you, 
as you do spiritual battle. Is your battle spiritual or is it actually your battle physical? What am I talking about? As you look around, have you become harsh like the world has become harsh? Or have you maintained your witness in Christ? Have you maintained the life you've been called to live? Right? Have you been able to separate the walk with the wall? It's a spiritual war. It shouldn't change the way you live among your neighbors. It shouldn't change the way you talk to your neighbors. It is a spiritual war. It's not a physical battle. We don't take our war to people. Instead, we take it to the real enemy. Right? It's not humanity that's the problem here. Behind everything that's going on, there's a spiritual battle that's, that we need to engage in. Right? And so this morning, I want to make it clear. We engage in a spiritual war and not a physical war. Make sure we separate our walk with our war. Make sure we maintain our Christian witness as we battle against these powers and principalities that seem to want to restrict Christ's life in us. We go on. Paul says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Friends, our battle is in the mind. This is where the true battle is. Right? You win here, you win here. You win here, you win your life of actions. This is where our battle is. Right? And so, the nature of our weapons, Paul says, is divine. He says it's not carnal, right? When he's talking about the weapons of our warfare, it's not carnal weapons. And I think sometimes we are quite comfortable with carnal weapons, right? Physical things, because we want to do stuff. And we think prayer is not doing any good. But Paul is saying, that's your divine weapon. Your divine weapon is not carnal. The word carnal is sarkikos in Greek, right? And it means pertaining to flesh, the body. It means temporal things, right? And so Paul is saying, our, uh, the, the, the weapons that we are given is not for temporal things. It's for eternal things, right? In other words, it's not something that's accomplished by human abilities. So that's the nature of our weapon. It's divine. What's the purpose of our weapons? And so he lists down these three things. Firstly, pulling down strongholds, right? He says, this weapon that God has given us, the divine weapon that we have is to pull down strongholds. The word stronghold means castle or fortress, all right? There are ideas in our head here. There are fortresses. We won't change our minds. No, this is it. You know, we got there's a stronghold in our minds. There are things that we will never shift or change, right? Social norms that we say, this is it. This is the way we've always done it, you know? Um, young people struggle with old people that way, all right? Uh, youth uh, in our home, why can't we do it differently? Remember those days? <coughs> why can't we do it? Well, it's not the way it's done. That's not the way we do things, right? Now, that's fine for some things, 
But in, if our brain here, right here, our mind, has strongholds that refuse to change, then how is God going to move us towards His plan and His purpose and His destiny in our lives? Paul is saying we need to pull down those strongholds. All right? Anything that's relying on, on that other than God. If our reliance is in anything other than God, that's a stronghold of the mind. If we have kept things that are, that, are, that are more secure than God in our minds, that's a stronghold. And Paul is saying, pull it down, right? Pulling down strongholds. Then he says, casting down arguments and high things. Argument, the Greek word logismos, is a very interesting word. It actually captures everything that goes on in our mind on a daily basis. The word logismos means... A reckoning, reasoning, and judgment. What's reckoning? Computing, calculating. All right? You know, whenever we are thinking, we are looking, we are always computing and calculating. We are deciphering what's going on right now. You know, you're deciphering, you're calculating, you're computing, right? The reckoning. Then it leads to reasoning, right? You start thinking logically. And then finally, judgment, right? Decision and conclusion. It's interesting that the one Greek word, right? captures the whole thinking process that we go through every day of our lives, right? It's the entire, entire thinking process. Paul is saying, start from even when you start computing, that little few milliseconds that you start calculating and thinking, start from that. And if, it is going, if your thinking is going to lead you to position that thought higher than God, cast it down. Every single moment of thinking, Casting down that argument, casting down that thinking pattern, casting down that thought that's going to lead you, all right, to place it higher than God. You cast it down. Any thought, right from the minute stage of thinking that supersedes God, you cast it down, Paul is saying. If that thinking is taking you to a conclusion that displaces God as God, you cast it down, Paul is saying, right? That's why you wage war on every thinking pattern that's going to position anything else higher than God. You cast it down. And then Paul says, you bring to captivity every thought to obedience of Christ. Literally, the word bringing to captivity means take prisoners of war. That's what he's saying. That thought that is right now going through your head, make it a prisoner of war. Make it, capture it, and put it under subjection to Christ Jesus. Basically, ultimately it all boils down to this. Jesus Christ as Lord. Not just in your actions, but it goes first in your thinking patterns. Right? The battle is in the mind. Our battle is in our minds. Right? Before the word comes out, before every word, before every act, before every decision, every destiny is won or lost right here in the mind. Before you say a word, you already won or lost it in your mind. Before you act on something, you already won or lost in your mind. Before you make that decision, you've already won or lost it in your mind. And that's why Paul is saying, that's where the real war is. That's where your battle is. 
Your battle is in your mind. Every thought, he says, you, you pull down strongholds that seem to supersede God. You cast down every argument, every thinking pattern that's, that's taking you to where it positions God lesser than who he is. You take captive every thought and subject it to Christ Jesus as Lord. And when you do that, right, that's the battle won. The battle really is in the area of submission to Christ. That's really where the battle is in our minds. Do I or don't I want to submit to Jesus Christ as my Lord? C.S. Lewis put it this way. Fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. You know, sometimes we think that. No, I just need a bit of tweaking. I, I, I'm weak. I just need a little strengthening there. You know, C.S. Lewis says, no, actually, we need more than just improvement. He says this, the fallen man is a rebel. He must lay down his arms. Right? Laying down your arms, surrendering, saying you're sorry, realizing that you've been on the wrong track, getting ready to start life over again from ground floor. That is the only way out of the hole. This process of surrender is repentance. And that's what the battle is all about. Surrendering our thoughts, our thinking patterns, our ways of making decisions, surrendering everything to Christ and subjecting it to the obedience of Christ our Lord. You know, we are so bent towards independence. We are so bent towards independence, especially to be independent from God. That's why the battle is so tough. We are so bent towards independence especially independence from God. That's really the main battle in our minds. And so the Apostle Paul, in his humility, he appeals to that. I feel he, he's appealing to us this morning, pleading with us and saying, do battle with your mind. I close with addressing two groups of people. The first is the complacent. You know, as Kiwis, we've got this lovely fr phrase, she'd be right, mate. She'd be right. Right? But you know what? She won't be right if you don't do battle in your mind. There's a group that says, I won't go to war, but we expect the blessings of Christ to just fall on our laps. But in order for the blessings of God to come upon us, we need to fight for it. If it's worth fighting for, we need to battle it in our minds so that we begin to believe what God has said. We begin to believe what the scriptures say. We begin to live what we believe what the scriptures say. And then when we begin to live and believe what the scripture says, we begin to see the direction we are taking as the scriptures describe it. And then as you take that direction, you start realizing that everything begins to fall in place when we are subjecting our lives into the master's hands. If it's worth fighting for, then fight for it. Do battle in your mind first. The other group I'll talk into is the combatants. You love to fight, right? I'll say this, 
Sometimes we are focusing on our battle in a carnal way. We are fighting for things that are only have temporal value. And let me tell you, if our battle is just for temporal things, for worldly things, in the end of the day, you're going to be frustrated with life and with your battle. The Apostle Paul says, we are at war, but it's not a physical war. It's a spiritual one. Our weapons are divine in nature, built for purpose, for pulling down strongholds of the mind, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, for bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me say this in closing. When you keep bringing every thought captive to Christ, you build yourself a palace. When you keep bringing every thought captive to Christ, you build yourself a palace. Failure to do that, my friends, you'll find yourself in a prison of your own doing. Let us pray.